Wednesday morning, 8 o'clock in the morning at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Um, well, our friends at Ohel, who are always, I mean, we've, we've been telling you for 35 years, no exaggeration <laughs> about the great work that Ohel's been doing. Literally, for 35 years I'm doing it uh, for good reason. Uh, they're one of the uh, star organizations of our community, really worldwide, uh, but obviously based in this area. Anyway, uh, during COVID-19, they have adjusted and pivoted and stepped up their game to help people in so many different ways. And one of the things that caught my eye was that both uh, Harriet Blank and our uh, upcoming guest, Dr. Norman, Norman Blumenthal, who's going to join me in a moment, are both presenting this coming Monday in a, in a TheraZoom session on the topic of coping with the inconsistent emergence from COVID restrictions. I mean, if inconsistent, I don't think you could come up with a better word than inconsistency when it comes to what's happening now uh, as COVID uh, continues and the fear of COVID continues. So I thought it was a great topic to um, uh, to bring up and discuss here at JM and the AM. Uh, he is OHEL's Director of Trauma and Crisis Response, in addition to hundreds of other titles that he holds. Dr. Norman Blumenthal, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I don't think inconsistency, I don't think there's a better word than inconsistency to uh, uh, describe what we're going through. The first inconsistency, frankly, that really troubled me uh, was when the governor of the state of New York uh, said there's going to be a uh, a group of seven eight, seven, eight governors who will coordinate so that restrictions, rules, openings will not be different one state from the next. And, of course, what we've seen over the last few weeks is that uh, reopenings and phases and, and decisions are completely different uh, one state from the next uh, in terms of the number of people, outdoors, indoors, and so many other regulations. That was the first thing that got me. The second thing, frankly, that got me before we talk about, uh, you know, the inconsistencies as we emerge as we emerge from the restrictions is, Dr. Blumenthal, you have to admit and agree as an observer of our, you know, full community. uh, And you look at all the neighborhoods and all the communities that some people in our community are behaving as if and some communities in general are behaving as if COVID is never to return and life is basically back to normal, while others like myself and many other families, groups, and organizations and neighborhoods, are, are behaving as if we are terrified of getting this dreaded disease. Uh, w- wouldn't you say that within our community there seems to be a great inconsistency? I would agree. That certainly has been my observation. And if that's the case, then, you know, it, 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 makes, it makes life in our greater community challenging. Right in terms of who's willing to go where and do what and and accept whose invitation to to be wherever they'd like to be, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, absolutely. And we are social beings. Right. So we want to socialize. We want to connect. And of course, adds a further complication. Uh, so now, tell me about Monday. Monday, you and Harriet Blank are going to be addressing this topic about the inconsistent emergence from COVID restrictions. Family and friends, as I just alluded to, is part of it. That I get. Right. But what about the greater picture first? What about all these news reports, restrictions that we hear about, we can't really decide or decipher which ones are serious and are going to be enforced and which ones government officials look the other way? What could you tell us about those? Well, uh, the way we get news and information has changed radically in recent years. 
Uh, it used to be that there were a handful of sources, and most of, more probably more consistent than inconsistent with the advent of the Internet and social media, we have a flood, a deluge of uh, news sources, informational sources, and we have to sort of sift through all of that. I think that's one of the skills that we have to develop is to learn, you know, which ones that are reliable and ones which ones aren't reliable and which ones do have a stated clear bias, which may have an unstated bias, and learn how to pick for ourselves what are the most reliable sources and recognize that uh, our neighbor may be relying on different sources. So part of it, as I said, is, <laughs> is, not, is uh, part of the times we live in. And, and by the way, it, with all the stress and anxiety we've had over the last 18 weeks, Chushan Purim was 18 weeks ago today, with all the stress and anxiety we've had over the last 18 weeks, what you just described only adds to the stress and anxiety. Absolutely. And another thing that adds to stress and anxiety is ambiguity. And the, the medical professionals, the experts themselves, readily admit that they don't really have a handle on this. Yeah. They're trying to, and they're working emphatically, and they are, they're researching and trying, but uh, they themselves are scratching their heads. By the way, and that, that engenders anxiety. By the way, another frustrating thing is that there are many people in our community with zero health and science background who do consider themselves expert on this topic. <laughs> that, that's also, that also leads to you know, some interesting conversations and encounters. Right. They're all psychologists as well. I was just the only <laughs> foolish enough to go to graduate school. So, yeah, you're, that's you're the, the problem. Only, you're the only one who paid for it. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, Dr. Norman Blumenthal with us live via telephone. All right, so you know the key. The key is um, to try to lessen all this anxiety. Uh, a lot of people are still home. A lot of people are in very challenging employment situations. And now you have this, this big question mark of how and how quickly or slowly all this resurgence, reemergence is going to take place. How does one lessen their anxiety in this type of scenario? So in terms of the ambiguity, I think there are basically two approaches, and probably even more, but you, one has to pick the one that suits oneself. One is that we can look historically. None of us can look to the future. I like to quote the great theologian and philosopher Yogi Berra. He used to say predicting is very difficult, especially about the future. Um, it's, it's very, or the future ain't what it used to be. That's another one of my favorite <laughs> quotes. But, um, it's, you know, the, 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 it's very hard to predict. However, we can look historically, and historically in previous pandemics, there was a beginning and a middle and an end. So uh, there will be this if, if history is a reference point, this will be resolved at some point. The question is how long it will take and at what cost. But I think we can look at this as a temporary state, and I don't think we should see this as the rest of our lives. The other thing also that's a way of dealing with anxiety, if it suits you, is to surrender. I'm dealing with ambiguity and anxiety and the attendant anxiety is to surrender to it. Uh, we don't know, and that's for a religious person. That's something fairly familiar. Uh, you know, God runs the world. We're not in control. Despite our technology and all the advances we have made in science, we are not in charge. And to surrender to that is a very spiritual experience and will also, I think, ameliorate some of the anxiety and worry. You know, you know before this COVID thing, even many of us faithful people thought we were in charge, or at least behaved like we were. Yes. Yeah. But I now- think so because of... We're, we have such uh, technology, as I said, and such advanced methods and means of controlling and understanding our surroundings. But here we, you know, here this little virus, and we can't see, has, has uh, 
really defeated us. You know, before before I saw this Zoom event that you're having Monday, and I'll give everyone the information in a minute. Uh, the reason I seriously the the reason I asked for you to come on this morning was because I believe, even though not everybody agrees with me, I believe these two months of July and August are a much bigger challenge for those families that are stuck at home and those kids who have no formal program than April, May, and June were. What I mean, what I mean is that, and of course, this is for those not going to day camp and not going to sleepaway camp. Uh, and what I mean is, there was always toward the end of the school year, the last third of the school year, at least this aura of some type of program that the kids were part of. You know, there was always this thing over the family that you know that they're that the that the kids, no matter what age, were at least following a program, even though unfortunately it called for a lot of downtime during typical days, but at least they were part of a program that was still going on, obviously meaning, you know, the school day. When that ended for families that are not again able to take advantage of camp, I think it's a, a lot much it, it's a it's much more of a looser atmosphere. And for a lot of families now July and August are going to prove to be much more of a challenge. Oh, I agree fully. It is more challenging, because, especially because this is a time when you do, especially outdoors, so I guess that helps a little bit, but where, you, where your, your life is much more social and casual social interaction. And the other part that makes it very difficult is that if you, the appearances that it's got, the appearances that, uh, you know, we're, we're all, are out of danger. And yet the signs, many of the medical experts are telling us that's far from true, at least here in the New York Tri-State area. Right. Obviously not in Florida and Arizona, California, but, um, and Israel, and, you know. But, but the, uh, the, the, since that, you know, we respond to what's immediately in our face and in our presence. And uh, so therefore there's that great temptation to get out there, to socialize, to interact in close proximity with others without restraints. And, and we don't see the devastation, the overcrowded emergency rooms that we had been seeing uh, you know, two or three months ago. Well, you are right about the outdoors, and that does give a chance for you know kids and teens to run around at least, and the weather in this area has cooperated basically with that, so that is a plus. But I'll tell you on the other point, anybody who watched the news yesterday, anybody who's paying careful attention to yesterday's news, it is now really skeptical in the medical community of one who was infected can't be quickly reinfected. Those who had antibodies and many of them high numbers are now being retested and those numbers are much lower and they're fearing that this thing could return, you know, sooner, excuse me, sooner rather than later to those who've already suffered from it. So the the ambiguity as you say, the big question mark, the uncertainty, the uncertainty is so difficult to deal with and, and I I'm not, I'm not trying to be cute here or smart alecky, but it sounds like your best advice is just hang in there. Whatever's worked so far in the last 18 weeks, keep doing it. If you know systems in your family and systems for your kids have worked over the last 18 weeks, keep implementing them as best as possible. And, and otherwise, try to just get as creative as possible because it doesn't sound like there's really m- many other options, frankly. Right. Well, so I'm, not, I'm not in a position to comment on it medically. Right. Uh, we have to rely on the infectious disease doctors and the epidemiologists. But I think many of us do believe that there still is a threat and, we, and that we do have to be careful. And, you know, we have to sort of juggle how much risks we want to take. We do have a natural need to socialize. We have to go to work. We, the economy needs to be picked up. On the other hand, we have to get, and of course, the risks. You know, we're not dealing with uh, maybe losing a little money. We're dealing with medical well-being. And, and sometimes people say to me, well, not that many people are dying now. 
those who've survived this illness have survived with a lot of medical complications afterwards and psychological ones. Yeah. Many suffer from uh, cognitive uh, deficits and uh, you know, high levels of anxiety and depression that are not warranted by what they went through, which gives us the impression that it also impacts on the central nervous system. So the, 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 you know, how, much, uh, how much are you willing to risk? And even if there's small chances, are you willing to do that for such dangerous and uh, debilitating medical conditions? Uh, you know, like I said, for many communities or neighborhoods within our greater community, days like Tisha B'Av, uh, the upcoming high holidays, will look similar to the way they have in past years. For many of us, it's obvious already that Tisha B'Av is going to be a very limited service if, in fact, there are public services or services open to the public, and we were already wondering what the high holidays are going to look like. Do you think that that, that could be detrimental to the overall psychology of the Jewish community if, in fact, you know what, what we expect and how we normally observe important days like those will be very different this year? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, first of all, it's part of our inner landscape. It's, by the way, how we sort of gauge ourselves <coughs> on the timeline. <coughs> the timeline about and high holidays in particular, and Tishabov really are part of that cycle. And religious observance is, um, is a, there's a rich body of literature in psychology, how much religious observance and spirituality uh, helps us cope with stress. And then when that's truncated and delimited, we're losing another way of coping during these very difficult times. But as you said also, by the way, uh, I marvel at the creativity yep. and, and I think some of the flexibility. Of, of many many people and many segments of the community yep. that are trying to preserve as much as they can and try to keep in good spirits uh, during these very difficult times. Even even when that uh, even when that creativity is really simple, you know, uh, regular hikes or walks or head to the mm-hmm. boardwalk or you know go on this little adventure. I mean, it, it's really parents are to be admired and the kids are to be admired for their resiliency but you've always told us that uh, thank god people of all ages are resilient just those in the other generations never acknowledge it but <laughs> that's right that's right you know like that's we, right. we we wonder how our grandparents, <laughs> we, we have to keep secrets from our grandparents <laughs> be, because of how they may react to certain bad news god forbid we we, we forget <clears throat> that they've lived life and they've had plenty of bad news they've dealt with for many, many decades. But anyway, that's a totally different topic. On Monday, do people sure. do people get a chance to interact with you through this, or is this uh, you and Harriet Blank uh, just presenting? How's it going to work on Monday? So what we have found to be most effective on these Zoom sessions, that we're, and through all we're doing a lot of them every week on different topics. We're right. identifying relevant topics plus groups. What we find works best, the personal depends on how, many, uh, how big the audience is. But what seems to work best is the chat option on Zoom. Right. Because first we have the ah. option to send just directly to the presenter, right? And also, you know, you can ask the question without interrupting what's being presented. So right. the presenters, well, everyone's will stop and check the chat. Plus the fact that some people can just send that, so they can send it either to the public or they can send it directly to the presenter and can right. even say in the, in the question, um, "I don't want to be identified," or "I don't right. want this question asked." Oh, what a great can idea! You please address it. What a great so, idea. So, so literally use the chat uh, option and uh, and people can get right. get their comments and questions in. Right, right, right. So that seems that seems to work best. And as I said, we make ourselves available besides in terms of the presentations. Our trauma team is fielding calls all day and having sessions 
with people who are experiencing undue stresses or challenges, and that's an option, and we make that uh, public during the presentation as well, in case somebody has a very more individual situation that they want to discuss with us. Not that their situation is any different than everyone else who's going through tough Who's going through? And sometimes it is. No, but and sometimes it is. Yeah, but I'm saying not that. Yeah. In in regard to in in regard to what I'm about to say, not that their situation is very different than others, and everyone needs sympathy and, and help. But but you have got you you must have spoken with so many people over the last 18 weeks who in some way were oh, on yeah. who in some way were on top of the world in whatever industry they were in, and then of course we know how many industries came completely crashing down. And now they find themselves in a situation they never dreamt that they'd be in. And again, not that I'm minimizing everyone else's situation. Everyone in some way is, is, is you know, suffering from, from all this that's happening. But it's just, you know, when, when, you, when you are contacted by people who you never dreamt you'd have to advise because, uh, you know, this type of thing has happened to them, it must be just mind-boggling to you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. People's lives were, were were put on hold, and people were anticipating promotions, anticipating getting degrees, completing degrees, um, and and suddenly they hit a cliff. What about and what, it is very difficult. What yeah. about people who just bought businesses in February? I've heard from so many who just made sure. who made life changing decisions in the hopes that they were right. you know, that it would only enhance their families' lives, and then. And, and then this happens. It's unbelievable. I'll tell you, God, God, yes, God, yes. God works in mysterious ways. I guess as a pers- <laughs> as a per- sure. as a person of faith, we can't forget that He's uh, supervising all of this, like He supervises right. all like He supervises all the good that we have in our lives. Uh, inf- right. Information about Monday: the inconsistent emergence from COVID restrictions. The Zoom session with Dr. Norman Blumenthal and Harriet Blank. You go to olfamily.org. You'll check it out in the events section. You'll see it there. There are a lot of other events. Give me a word, by the way, on this, um, on what you're leading for girls, uh, for teenage girls starting on Tuesday, the 28th of July. Experience parental loss during COVID-19. I mean, that must be, I mean, obviously it's heartbreaking, but I mean, on top of the loss and how you'd be, had you be um, uh, turned to, to, you know, to address teens or anybody in a family who've had a loss, when you add in all the other factors of how sudden this was, how so many of the people they lost mm-hmm. were never sick before uh, with anything serious, uh, many of them didn't see their loved ones at the end, it must compound all of this advice so much. Oh, absolutely. And we're doing this together with Chai Forever. Um, and it is, uh, you know, we, we noticed that there were a number of teenagers. And, and one of the things we, we noticed from our more individual sessions with some of the adolescents was how lonely they feel because yeah. for the most part the, the, the most of their, their contemporaries have not they may have lost grandparents and not lost parents and as it is they're feeling lonely and, and, and wrenched apart so they're certainly feeling all the more so and doing this is going to be a group and sharing meeting other teenagers some people your age we're going through some experience, and you hit it on the nail also that one of the themes we heard in all the other groups we did uh, on parental loss was, you know, he walked into the, the into solid uh, ambulance, uh, basically maybe with some breathing problems, but looking and feeling fine. And then three weeks later, we hardly saw him, and then we get notification that, that he died. And th- this has complicated the grieving process. We were afraid that would happen, and, I'll t- and we have noticed that that does complicate it. And, yes. we, and we've discussed how many adults crave the shiva process for a lot, yes. of, te- for a lot of teens when they see and experience hundreds of their friends come to their home at a time like this to 
you know, just share the experience with them, the same friends they've had fun with on the ball field and, you know, in shul on Shabbos and everything else, and they come to be with them. It, 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 it could, we could argue, it, it's even more important for them, and they, of course, didn't have sure. that. Must be so devastating. Have, right, I'm sorry. And then they have the added fear, because now all their eggs are in one basket. Yeah. And there's compounded worry about the surviving parent. Unbelievable, I'll tell you. So many people going through so much. By the way, I noticed yeah. on the email I got from OHEL, there's a thing about a time capsule. Good idea for people to gather with their kids and put together a COVID time capsule so that 30 years from now they can revisit and see what life was like now? I think that's good. It's interesting. There's a body of research in psychology about family narratives. You know, what's the story of your family, your ancestors, etc.? And not going into details, the most effective in terms of coping is what's called the oscillating narrative, which is a narrative that we went through a tough time, we got out of it, things are better, and then we went through a hard time, and then things got better, as a lesson to future generations, that there are hardships, but there are hardships that we survive and that we endure. So I think it's good for that. It's also good just to write and put down in words what you're going through. Yeah. It's one of the strange things about trauma, but just expressing it, encapsulating it into words makes it more manageable. Also a good rain day creative project. Yes, that's true also. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which, which, gets right. Us, which gets us back to our first point. Uh, Dr. Right. Blumenthal, I can't thank you enough. You are out there for the community and in these public sessions like the one Monday, and you're out there for so many people individually who are going through really difficult times. I can only imagine, uh, uh, I can only imagine how less stressful people are because they get a chance to speak to you in these sessions and uh, on an individual basis. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me, and thank you for keeping us all connected and informed. I appreciate that very much. Dr. Norman Blumenthal, OHEL's Director of Trauma and Crisis Response. Everything that I mentioned and that he mentioned in this conversation in terms of the events, um, completing your own time capsule, the uh, the parental loss during COVID-19 for teens, the uh, the therapy session or the TheraZoom on Monday night about the inconsistent emergence from COVID restrictions, all the information if you go to ohelfamily.org, again, that's ohelfamily.org, and uh, check it out. A lot of important stuff going on uh, coming uh, to the community from Ohel these days. Wednesday morning, JM in the AM.